Hi everyone, it's Allison, your host. How are you? I mean that truly. Tell me how you are. How I am right now is happy to be talking into this mic. It makes me feel connected since we are still living in the time of pandemic. Yes, hope is on the way, but it is still a while off. I'm coming to you today from the couch where our new little pup, whose name is Paco, is curled up next to me. He's a pretty chill little guy when he's indoors, except for when he's not. So (laughs) if you hear sudden barking, that's because uh, he's protecting his turf. I'll do my best to keep him soothed. Before we begin our episode today, I want you to know that we'll be talking about suicide, suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation as it's known, attempts at suicide, and all kinds of insight and hope about what you can do if you or someone you love is feeling that way. If suicide brings up difficult experiences or feelings in you, maybe you want to avoid today's episode, or maybe you don't. Today is one of two episodes on suicide. I don't know if they need to be listened to in succession. Maybe that would help, but it's not necessary. Uh, Next week, we will continue our dive into the topic with an episode in which I'll be thinking and talking about, maybe with a listener in Quebec named Olivier, and a voice memo he sent in to Words by Winter about his own family's experience with suicide attempts. I will also be talking about my own uh, experiences with suicide throughout my life, beginning when I was a little girl. That's next week. Today, we, and by we, you of course know we're talking about me, are so happy to welcome a guest to the show. Uh, Before we begin our conversation, I just ask your forgiveness because I'm not that great at editing interviews, so... There might be choppiness, there might be a few disconnections, there might be some weird voice modulation issues. I blame all of this on my production crew. (laughs) And of course you know who we're talking about there. Uh, But I am so happy to be welcoming our guest. Her name is Rocky Callan, and she is also a writer whose beautiful young adult novel, A Breath Too Late, was published just last year. I read her novel before publication, and I describe it on the front cover as both a love letter and a life raft for the brokenhearted. Rocky, welcome to Words by Winter. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Your beautiful novel, supposedly for young adults, but I balk at all categorization, and I would say it's for people of all ages. Your beautiful novel, A Breath Too Late, centers on around a teenager who dies of suicide. Uh, The book opens the morning after she's 
died, and yet the magic act of fiction allows us, through your beautiful prose, to know her thoughts and see her actions in the weeks that follow her death, as she remains invisible to those who love her and whom she loves, but she is still very present in the lives of her mother and her boyfriend. And I know that in your own life, you have dealt and deal with depression, and at, at least one point you yourself have been close to suicide, and I would love to hear any of your thoughts surrounding those particular times in your life. Um, what was helpful for you from both yourself and from others, uh, and what was not? I hid my depression and my suicidal ideation for very long and I realized over time that I was very good at hiding it and so as I became more invested in in writing Ellie's story I realized the secrets and that I was grappling with as well as her own. Like as I wrote hers, I realized how much of my own life I've kept in the dark from people I had loved most, including my husband who I'd been with for years and years and years. And so when I wrote her story, I realized I needed to start telling my own because the importance of, of, of being witnessed and being understood and having your experiences be validated is, is just so profound in, in the healing of, of and breaking of the stigma around mental health and depression. And so I realized I needed to break those those barriers in my own life with the people I loved most. And then I became more public with sharing my own journey. My depression came on very early. I was a preteen. I remember being my daughter's age, my daughter's 11, and, and contemplating suicide. And what stopped me in that moment as I was actually going through the process of completing the suicide was I heard my little sister's voice call out my name. And I just remember the, the tether that her voice was for me. And I think so often when you are grappling with these, these thoughts, when you're really attached to this, this, this end of your life, you forget all of the ways that this life is still calling out to you. Offering vulnerability, offering openness is one of the very first things. And that is a personal choice and a decision. And it's a hard one, especially in our environment, especially in our culture. You know, certain cultures are much more open to listening than others. And sometimes we have experience being open and then feeling very disappointed in, in how 
that truth was received by someone else. I think one of the least helpful things that a person can offer is to diminish that person's experience. If someone says, I'm depressed or I'm struggling or I'm having these thoughts, there are so many that try to bring levity to it or think that they're seeking attention or that they're exaggerating, you know, all these different things. And so many of them, they're truly not trying to be harmful. But to simply be there to listen, to simply be there to say and bear witness that their experience matters is so impactful. I remember a moment when my, this is again, when I was really struggling with my depression, my husband really wasn't aware of the depth of it. And I remember sitting in the stark closet and, and then coming out because I was like breathing in, breathing out, trying to study myself and breath work is something that's been very helpful in the past. But this moment, I just felt so sad and so numb and I couldn't pull myself out of it. And I started cooking and my husband and daughter, they were playing, they were laughing in the living room and uh, the tears were just like sizzling on the stovetop. And then my husband looked up and he says, are you okay? And I couldn't respond. I couldn't respond because I knew my voice would crack. I knew that all this, this tangent of, of emotion um, and unraveling would sort of spill out of my mouth and the secret would be out. And then he just came up and he's like, are you okay? And I just collapsed in his arms and said, I hate myself because that was the phrase that was ricocheting around my head. And even though me, when I am not in a depressive episode, does not feel that way. When I am in that, that's how I feel. And, and to say it out loud was devastating and also it was the first time my husband witnessed it and he just held me. And then from that moment on, whenever it started to escalate, I was able to verbalize it to him and he was able to be present to me. And I think that that's a big thing is to get those scary thoughts and feelings out to someone you trust and to someone who will listen. And when you do, you can start to find how you can cope the best and how you can heal the most. I'm not sure why it can be so hard to tell others what's really in our hearts and in our minds. But in my experience, it, it certainly is. Uh, I keep coming back to Rocky's phrase about how in the depths of depression, we can forget all the ways that this life is still calling out to us. It's so beautiful. It's so comforting. And it also comforts me to know that she and her sister are still so close, even though they're a decade apart. They suffer from some of the same issues. They have learned to turn to each other and talk about them. 
they open up to each other. We as humans are so important to each other, whether or not we know it in the moment. Maybe that is the greatest coping skill of all for the times when those giant feelings hit. Another side of it is I do many different mindfulness practices trying to ground me in my in my experience, trying to ground me to this life and to my hope. And so I write in letters, essentially. I write in letters to my pain and trying to understand why I feel so raw or hurt. I write letters to the strongest part of myself because I know with her I can keep going. I write to, I remember when I was pregnant, writing to my daughter, my, my you know, still in my belly um, daughter saying, I cannot wait to meet you. And so I'm going to stay. Um, you write to, to those things in your life that that give it value and to remember that there are things in your life that give it value for, you know, some moments I remember I had a t-shirt that um, back when I was like 14, 15 years old, people wrote all over it at a summer camp. And one person said um, in a world of rough roads, you remain a light shining forth. And I have that shirt still. And I pull it out as a reminder that, to someone, I also have value. And I think the more often that we can be reminded that there are things in this life that we can hold on to and hold on to tightly and like hold on close to the heart just as much as there are other people that are desperately holding on to us, even if we don't know it, to be constantly reminded of it and to give evidence to that to constantly have a touch point in your day, whether it's journaling, whether it's saying it out loud, whether it's in conversation with somebody, that those things are real. And when we do that, I feel like we're not only being defiant against the thing that is trying to control us, but we are witnessing the pain and we are choosing to, to straddle a line beyond it and take hold of something that feels like hope to yank us forward. You know, that's such a beautiful and um, profound way of both looking at, at the abyss and understanding your own personal ways to, to recognize it and to s- see something past it. For me, there's a few things that... I I have been able to take away from these episodes or from the these moments of my life that one to never take life for granted and I've shared this with other people other friends who've who've had similar experiences is to not diminish the power of the fact that you are here the fact that you are here is a testament to the strength and resiliency of your spirit. And that is something to 
to value, to witness, to understand. And so I look at all those moments in my life and and say, I, I chose to keep going and that has value. Rocky, I love how you talk about always reminding yourself that if you had one good moment in your life, you can have another good moment and other, other, other good moments. That nothing is static, nothing is fixed, that everything is always changing. And there have been times in my life where if I had let go at that point, I would never have known my daughter. I would have never known my husband. I would never have written a book. I would never have had the phenomenal friendships I have today. I would never have, all these never would have moments to be unafraid of living through those experiences and then sharing them can offer someone that tether that they may not they may not have otherwise. Rocky, I love some of the things you say about your husband, how in the beginning he had to learn about depression. Uh, he had to learn to observe it when you were having a depressive episode, had to learn how to support you through its manifestations and its recurrences. And in in a sort of beautiful pivot, what that has meant to both your family and your wider community. Because of his experiences with me, he is now able to go into our immigrant Latinx community and bring that wisdom of, of love and acceptance and helpfulness to other families and their children or their spouses that otherwise wouldn't have that perspective. And so my own experiences, I've already seen the ripple effect of what can happen when we open our hearts up to be seen. And, and that is going to arm me in the future about how I want to show up in the world and be vulnerable and open to others and no matter what the situation or the scenario or the pain to know that it has value in being shared and so that way collectively we can hold hands and step beyond it together and to be able to understand what triggered that emotion as much as possible and to for there to be an openness in the family that whenever you want to share we are here to listen to normalize mistakes, normalize failure, normalize, you know, tripping and falling on your face and then talking about it and talking about it in a way that there is always room to pivot from here. Rocky, listening to how you and your husband have learned to check in with each other and check in with your children, ask about their feelings, let them know that all feelings are valid and sometimes share experiences from your own lives in which you might have felt the same way. Uh, it makes me feel inexplicably calmer just listening to this, how you and your family navigate the acceptance and expression of emotions in your lives, even though I'm not you, and uh, 
I'm not part of your family. Maybe that is part of what it means to accept without judgment all the emotions that we as humans are capable of feeling. I'm so thankful for you talking to me today, Rocky. Thank you so much for taking this time and for speaking so openly and and genuinely from your experience. Thank you so much, Allison, for creating this container for this conversation to exist and for all of the love and hope you pour out into the world. Right back at you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Like Rocky, I too have written about suicide in several of my novels, most recently in a book titled What I Leave Behind, a book that is 100 chapters of 100 words each, each of which I mean as a blessing to the reader of sorts, about a 16-year-old boy named Will who's working his way through his father's suicide at the same time as he's trying to help a friend through her own separate kind of trauma. It's a book that's near and dear to my heart, because of the mentions of suicide throughout the book, and because I am always worried about anyone contemplating suicide. At the end of what I leave behind, I listed some hotlines in the acknowledgments. Here they are for you, for if and when you or someone you love might need them. You can call 1-800-273-TALK, or if you prefer texting, text N-A-M-I. That's N as in Nancy, A as in Allison, M as in missive, and I to 741741. I'll put these uh, numbers in the show notes as well. I'm especially glad that I did add those numbers to my book, What I Leave Behind, because a few months after it was published, I received an email from a high school student known to me still only as M in it. M said they had reached the end of their rope. They had made a plan to suicide that night. They went into their school library to escape over the lunch hour, and that's where M saw a copy of What I Leave Behind on display. They loved the cover, which I do too, and they read it through right then and there over lunch. M wrote down the hotline numbers, went home, and called one of them. M says that without that conversation with a crisis counselor that day, without my book and their serendipitous discovery of it at just the right time in the library, they might not be here today. M and I have kept in touch, writing back and forth every once in a while over the last couple of years since the book was published, and I am happy to say they are doing very well now. Whether or not that novel and the crisis counselor actually made the difference between life and death for M that day, I don't know. It's impossible to know, but it's possible. What M's letter, Rocky Callan's experiences, and my own experiences have shown me is that suicide and thoughts of it are things to be talked about, to be brought into the open. So many feelings that overwhelm us, that feel impossible, are lessened when we talk about them. So let's do that, okay? Hey 
friends, that's it for today's episode. No poem. Let's just consider Rocky's beautiful words as our poem of the week, okay? Uh, Thank you for listening. If you liked it, please spread the word by sending this link to someone else who might also like it. Give us a good rating if you can figure out how to do it. Original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music by Kelly Krebs. Please check out our show notes for the two hotlines I mentioned earlier in the episode. Words by Winter is created, hosted, written, produced, everything by me. That's why the sound quality was... (laughs) It's not all that great always. By me, writer Allison McGee. Tell me what you're going through. I will go in search of a poem to help you through, to help us all through, the way that poems have been saving my life since I was a little girl. Send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or just drop me a line at that same address. For more info, go to alisonmcgee.com. Words by Winter, conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life because it is rough out there and we have to help each other through. 